and we are live. What is going on, YouTube? Back again with another episode of the Fantasy Kingdom Show. We got a lot to go over today. I keep saying every week that I want to try to make it quick. I want to try to make it quick, and then all of a sudden I'm going for over an hour every fucking time, so... I'm really going to try to keep it quick, but there is so much to go over that I cannot keep that promise. I just, I, I'm already seeing it happening. It's going to be at least an hour of a show, so let's jump right in. The number one thing on everyone's mind right now, Christian fucking McCaffrey is traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Holy shit. We have not seen a blockbuster like trade like this that has shaken the fantasy world in a long time. Especially not during the season. Like this is this is nuts. This is exciting. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is free, and uh, it's it's tough to have picked a better landing spot for a dynamic runner and pass catcher. I mean, this offensive line was making holes like ginormous holes that Jeff Wilson was looking great. We're going to go ahead and just pick up Jeff Wilson. Put him over here, and we're going to take Christian McCaffrey and plug him right into that. Like, whew. I'm telling you, it is going to be incredible once he is up to speed. And he's already, like, studying the playbook nonstop to try and get in there for this week. He was traded on Thursday, and he wants to play on Sunday. He's hungry. He wants it. And I, I, I don't know if this, I don't believe he might not even play this week. Uh, he might get a couple of like packages here and there, but uh, as early as next week, CMC is the ultimate smash. He's going to be the RB1 for the remainder of the season as long as he's healthy. I have zero doubt in my mind. Uh, overall, taking a look at the two offenses, how they're going to shake out after the trade outside of just Christian McCaffrey himself. I mean, everyone who drafted him with the number one or the number two pick, you're incredibly happy, but let's take a look at San Francisco first here. Uh, I do think that it is a it is a slight target, slight volume downgrade for Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle. Uh, I still think Debo is going to be perfectly fine. He's might get less carries, but he is going to be the primary wide receiver now on the outside. He's going to be able to uh, not have like defenses keying in on him as much as they are now because they have three other amazing athletes to worry about on top of it. So I think Debo's going to be fine. He's the alpha. They're going to work to get him the ball and Christian McCaffrey the ball. Defenses aren't going to know what to do. So the volume might come down, but the efficiency is going to be insane. And the touchdown potential is just through the roof right now in San Francisco. Uh, I, I think that Ayuk is probably going to suffer uh, the most here. He's already was number three on the pecking order for targets. So I think that He's going to be a lot more boom-bust than he already has been. Uh, so I, I think in matchups where we're expecting San Francisco to throw the ball a lot, you can still flex Ayuk. Uh, and it, especially this, this is this, get your last squeeze this week. Um, but uh, Kittle, you're obviously starting no matter what just because of how bad the tight end landscape is. If you drafted him, you're not dropping him to stream. And the, the boom weeks are going to come for him too. Again... This is only, like, CMC coming to this offense might take some targets and might take some volume away, but just the the overall upside of everyone on this offense is just so much higher now that it's incredible, and San Francisco has one of the best playoff schedules, 
So the fact that they're getting even more firepower, if you are able to in any way, shape, or form, if everyone, anyone thinks that Christian McCaffrey think going to San Francisco is going to be a downgrade for any of those three, and it's you can buy low, buy low now. Uh, I see a comment here from Rick. I think CMC and Debo volume both come down, but like you said, efficiency goes up. I, I think from from this point forward, from week eight on, I think Christian McCaffrey will be that RB1. We'll see. We might put another beer bet down on it. I don't really know how we're going to uh, we have to do some manual math on that, but I'd be down for that. Uh, flipping over to the, uh, the tanking and rebuilding Carolina Panthers. Uh, immediately, obviously, you're looking at who is stepping up into the void that Christian McCaffrey has left. It's going to be Deontay Foreman, and it's going to be Chuba Hubbard. I don't think one of them is going to be that 80% guy, that 90% opportunity guy. Obviously, neither one of them are really that good uh, to fill those shoes. But last year, when both Chuba and CMC were hurt, uh, Foreman filled in very well. He was huge down the stretch for a lot of uh, fantasy football teams. Um, but with both Hubbard and Foreman healthy, I think we see more of uh, a little bit of a platoon where Foreman's going to get the first and second down work and some goal and the goal line work, and Chuba's going to be the pass catching back. So I think the upside is ultimately very low for both of them because, I mean, especially Foreman, I don't see the Panthers scoring a lot of touchdowns. They were hardly scoring touchdowns as it was, and now the offense is even more hindered. Uh, so I, I think that if you are going to take a shot, I think Hubbard might be the guy just for some, especially in PPR leagues, for some some pass-catching volume and and maybe some some, uh, some splash plays here or there. But overall, you if you have an open roster spot, if you don't need to plug these guys in immediately and you are able to wait and see, I will go ahead and wait and see with these guys. I'm not super excited about it. Uh, and the lonely man left in Carolina for uh, guys that we love. I mean, DJ Moore, both Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey shipped out within a week of each other. It is literally DJ by himself in this offense now. Uh, he's got Terrence, uh, Terrace Marshall, Shai Smith on the other side of him. But through two years, we haven't seen anything from either of those guys. So... Uh, it's going to be something where it's the complete opposite of what's happening in San Francisco, where DJ Moore is now going to get an even bigger influx of volume. But the offense is so bad that his ceiling is so limited. Like like I said, I don't see touchdowns being scored often. I don't see Carolina moving the ball, especially, I mean, right now, they, they have a, a quarterback carousel of just injured dudes filing in and out and in and out. We got PJ Walker again. Uh, this week, hopefully Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, one of the two can come back and show some form of competence. I can't believe that I'm asking for fucking Sam Darnold at this point, but Jesus Christ, give me Sam Darnold um, in there to save DJ Moore. Uh, the again, volume will be up. He without Robbie Anderson after Robbie got uh, kicked off the sideline last week, he had over a 30% target share in week six. He's at 25% on the season, so. I expect him to be in the 28 to 30% range, but it's just, it's empty volume at this point. He does have the athleticism and the profile to have breakaway touchdowns, uh, so he does have some boom week potential in him, but good luck finding, like, guessing on when that's going to happen. Uh, if you got him, you probably haven't been playing him, and you probably shouldn't be playing him. 
But that's the CMC news. Again, we haven't had a just giant trade like this happen in so long, so it's, it's, it's really exciting. I wish I had more Christian McCaffrey on my uh, fantasy teams this season to be even more excited. Uh, the most excitement I get is the fact that I'm playing against him this week, so uh, I don't expect him to play, so that's good news for me. Uh, but going to take a brief look at week six since I didn't get to do a recap episode. Uh, it's been a little bit hectic uh, in the day-to-day, in the day job, and with the, with the baby and everything. So didn't get to do a week six recap, so let's just do some high-level notes. Uh, Cincinnati boomed. Uh, Jamar Chase is back in the good graces of fantasy owners. If there was, if there was even a, a buy-low window that opened up, it has definitely completely shut. It is sealed. There, there's no getting in anymore. Um, I, I expect more of the boom bust uh, moving forward from Chase, but it's good to finally see see it it happen. The 30 plus point week, uh, the schedule does lighten up, so we can see a we've seen him do it before. We can see a string of just these monster games, like a couple in a row, or like two with a dud in the middle, or something like that. But it, the the big games are coming. They're here. Um, I, I was going to talk about Arizona's offensive woes, but I mean, after last night, whew, it looks like they, uh, Cliff is figuring something out or I don't, I mean, I guess the defense scoring two touchdowns helps, but, uh, it, it looked a lot better Thursday night than it did last Sunday for Arizona. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to go over the Thursday night game a little bit later. So we're just going to go ahead and skip right through that. Uh, Justin Herbert still appears to be dealing with that rib cartilage issue. He looked pretty bad last week uh, in week six against Denver. They are one of the top defenses in the league, so I, I think it might be just a combination of all those things. He gets a nice, juicy matchup this week uh, against Seattle, but he might still be missing Josh Palmer, or Josh Palmer is confirmed out, and he might be missing Keenan Allen again. So it's one of those things where it's a good matchup, but it's gonna be, he's going to be leaning heavy on Mike Williams and Austin Eckler once again. Uh, but that is the, high, the highest point total of the week. Um, and we had Ramondre Stevens season. Uh, it, it happened. It started in week six. He had a 78% uh, of the running back opportunity share in New England, 19 carries, five targets. He had 91 total yards and two touchdowns. That's exactly what you want to see. It's what we haven't seen out of New England in God knows how long. Uh, as long as Damian Harris is out, Ramondre is a weekly top 10 running back with top five upside. We've seen it. Uh, and I think even when uh, when Harris does come back, which again, going to go over it later, might be this week. Not excited as a, as a Ramondre Stevenson owner, but it, we, we all knew that it was going to be happening soon when he was, when uh, Harris was starting to practice last week. Uh, Deion Jackson is one, uh, has moved himself up into the, uh, the premium handcuff level uh, he did hurt, get hurt during week six, but we also knew that Jonathan Taylor was coming back this week. He's all but confirmed it. Uh, Jonathan Taylor even said that he sat himself in week six to make sure that he, he could get right. Uh, so that allowed the Deion Jackson boom week, which is great because now we know for a fact if anything does happen to Jonathan Taylor, if he does re-injure that, uh, the ankle, Deion Jackson is a one-for-one one plug set it, forget it, the dude's electric, and, I mean, 10 catches on 10 targets is insane for any running back. Uh, that's Alvin Kamara-type stuff right there. Uh, Kenneth Walker is that fucking dude. 
a 90-something percent opportunity share. Kenneth Walker is here without Penny breathing over uh, his shoulder. There's literally no one that is any type of competition. And we know, we know Pete Carroll loves to do one thing. He loves to establish it. And he is absolutely establishing it with Kenneth Walker. Uh, it's, it's just going to continue from here. This offense is performing much better than anyone expected. So Ken Walker's uh, upside is just absolutely insane. And his floor, it, it, it's just, it, he's, he's a potential league winner. Absolutely. Uh, Brees Hall's domination absolutely continues. He's doing it on the ground. He's doing it in the air. He's doing it in different ways every week. But all he's doing is delivering top fantasy performances. Number eight this uh, so far this season in points per game uh, at the running back position. And it's just, you love to see it. Explosive players making explosive plays and teams realizing, hey, we should get this guy the ball some more. I was a little bit worried that the Jets and uh, Sala were going to be a little bit like, huh, Michael Carter's the veteran. He's been here. He knows the offense. But as soon as Brees Hall started popping off and making plays, they they smart they, they got smart real quick, and they were like, no, 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 no. We got to get this guy the ball as much as possible. And you love to see a smart a team be smart. Love what the Jets are doing this year, and I never thought that I would fucking say that. Um, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard had a 50-50 split of the carries or of the the running back opportunities in Week Six, and that that's a that's that's telling. That is that is absolutely telling because even in the past, Zeke had always been just the bell cow, and Pollard would get uh, packages worked in with Zeke. He would get packages. He would get like the breather back packages as well, where it'd be like one or two series where Zeke just needs to, to pop out. Excuse me, pop out for a break. But now we're starting to see, again, an electric player, the more efficient player, is starting to get more volume because of the fact that he is giving the team splash plays. He is giving the team opportunities to get big chunks of yardage and touchdowns on every touch that he gets. Instead of just running into the into the back of a line for three yards at a time, Pollard is showing and Pollard is starting to get more and more opportunity. It's exciting once again to see these these explosive players, these guys that like dynasty uh, dynasty players and and uh, zero RB truthers have just been waiting for these types of opportunities to come to these players, and it's, it's happening. Um. Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan are back on the same page. I mean, Pittman, 16 targets with a 29% target share. He caught 11 of them for 134 yards. I mean, without even a touchdown, he's putting up a crazy week. Uh, I think they're starting to hit stride. I think Pittman's back from his uh, from his lower body injury, and uh, it seems like him and Matt Ryan are back on the same page, and I'm hoping that it continues because, I mean, it's just fun to see an electric player once again do big things. Uh, Darnell Mooney, 12 targets? Maybe? Uh, I do want to see it again before I'm comfortable playing him in fantasy football. Fields looked better? I don't know. I still don't know what to think of Chicago. I know Rick's going to come pop in here with a comment soon about how terrible Justin Fields is. He, I, I, I still don't know if it's Fields or if it's Chicago. That looks bad. I think it's a combination of both to some extent, but who knows? Uh, I, I'm still wait, like waiting for more pass volume at, in general before I feel comfortable again starting Mooney. Um, but it is promising to see 12 targets on the stat sheet. It, it, it's, it's good there. Um, 
don't fall for the Mike Gusecki trap tight end streamer. Do not touch him this week. I don't care if he goes ahead and scores another touchdown. Uh, two touchdowns is not sustainable on uh, a team where Tyreek and Jalen Waddle are accounting for 53% of the team's targets. Uh, Gesicki is barely running enough routes um, to warrant anything. This was just a very fluky two-touchdown game. Let someone else jump on that grenade. Again, it, it's a trap. Um, if you are looking for a tight end streamer and these guys are out there, Robert Tunyon and uh, Evan Ingram are both still uh, getting targets. They're running routes. They're running slot routes. Exactly what you want to see. Both of them had over a 25% target share in week six. Uh, Evan Ingram has had over a 20% target share in three out of the uh, out of the six games for Jacksonville this season. So he is definitely a guy who has got a, a, a decent floor and he gives you that opportunity every single week to potentially score a touchdown, to potentially get you some uh, some volume PPR points. Um, and th- that's really <laughs> bad team, slightly less bad QB for, <laughs> for Chicago. I, again, I can't really argue. I mean, is it really fair to judge a quarterback when his, his top targets are Darnell Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, Dante Pettis, who was on his, like, fifth team. Like, to be fair, Fields has really gotten the short end of the stick, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I want to see him with some weapons before I'm completely writing him off, but I don't know if I'm, I'm ever going to get that opportunity. Uh, going to go ahead and move right on. That was week six. We're going to take a look at the uh, Thursday night football recap. We finally got touchdowns. Oh, my God, after just... God awful back to back Thursday night games with no touchdowns, field goals galore, just blah. Disgusting games. We finally get an exciting electric game. Andy Dalton was doing his best Jameis Winston impersonation. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins comes back and is immediately just blowing up for 14 targets and 100 yards. Like it's like he didn't even like get suspended at all. Uh, I guess the PEDs are, are, you know, carrying over a little bit into, uh, into this season. Um, but yeah, so like I said, DeAndre Hopkins, 91% route participation, 14 targets for a 48% target share. Marquise Hollywood Brown leaves with the injury. They just pick Hopkins up and plug him right in. I mean, like, good Lord. Uh, he did not miss a beat. Murray was looking at him early and often. They were manufacturing touches. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) Rick's asking, when you get to Arizona, I got to know, is Eno Benjamin just Tony Pollard 2.0? I don't think he's he's got the upside of Tony Pollard. Uh, He might just be exactly what Arizona is using him as, and that he might just be Chase Edmonds 2.0, a guy who has... Some athleticism, he's got the pass-catching chops. Uh, I don't think that he has the true upside that Tony Pollard has, but I would say that he is Chase Edmonds in Arizona 2.0. Uh, 100% what I would say. Uh, it, it was unfortunate. I mean, I'm not really unfortunate. Keontae Ingram is the bigger goal-line type back, so it makes sense that he got the goal-line plunge. But Eno still found his way into the end zone. He had 12 carries for 92 yards and that touchdown, but he also had uh, five targets 
catching four of them. So he had, it was pretty much, it was DeAndre Hopkins and it was Eno Benjamin. Those were the only two uh, players really getting passes. Uh, Zach Ertz was actually right behind Eno with four targets. But uh, outside of that, the Arizona offense was just running the ball and throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Some more notes from this game. Uh, Rondale Moore. He was out there. He was running the most routes out of all of the Arizona wide receivers, but he strangely only came away with two targets, one of them being a fade in the end zone. I, It looked like it was a, a hot route where it was supposed to go to Hopkins. Hopkins couldn't under, like didn't get the, the read from, from Murray, so Murray turns to Rondale and gives him the sign, and Rondale runs the, the fade route in the end zone, but obviously five foot eight, five foot seven, however tall he is, Rondale Moore isn't catching the fade in the end zone, unfortunately. Um, so it was a little bit strange to see him out there so much. I, I feel like this was just for the fact that they were doing nothing but getting the ball to Hopkins. Uh, so he may see, it might balance out a little bit more. I think this is, if someone does drop Rondale Moore in your league, go ahead and scoop him up because he is going to be the wide receiver too on this team. Uh, Robbie Anderson, who just got traded, only ran 22% uh, of the routes. He got one target, didn't catch that one target. Uh, I, I feel like Anderson is going to be more of that stretch decoy type player who can clear out uh, the underneath for uh, for Rondale, Ertz, and Eno. Um, but again... Ertz, the only tight end on this team, ran 29 routes, the same uh, ran the same amount of routes as as DeAndre Hopkins. Um, moving forward, it's it's Hopkins as long as Connor and uh, Daryl Williams are out. It's Eno, uh, and you're you're playing Ertz at the tight end position. Um, Moore is a little bit more of a stash, a little bit more of a a, a a matchup type play where if it looks like it's going to be a high scoring game, which Arizona is in a lot of. Uh, you, you can go ahead and flex him and feel fine. It didn't work this week, but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes with these more fringe guys. Uh, moving on to New Orleans, like I said before, Andy Dalton was doing his best Jameis Winston impersonation. Uh, three touchdowns, for, uh, but also three interceptions, two of which were uh, pick sixes. It was absolutely insane. He threw the ball 47 times for 361 yards. Oh, I'm sorry, four touchdowns. Four touchdowns, three interceptions. So overall, he threw six touchdowns in the game, just two of them to the Arizona defense. Um, in this game, as we expected, Alvin Kamara doing Alvin Kamara things. He 74% of the running back opportunities. He had 11 of the carries. Not very efficient on the ground. But to pair with that, he had uh, nine targets, catching seven of those. He was getting 20% uh, of the target share. And he had 56 yards in the air. No touchdowns for him, which sucks. Uh, Taysom Hill, once again, just vulturing the damn touchdown. I hate to see it because people that are starting Taysom Hill in the tight end position think that they're so so damn smart. But it's just, it's it's cringe, bro. It's cringe. Uh, I get it. It's part of the game. They gave him the designation. But just because ESPN and Yahoo and Sleeper are a little bit behind on the times doesn't mean that it, it makes it... it doesn't make it fun. Uh, Chris Olave is absolutely that dude. I don't even care if and when Michael Thomas and uh, Jarvis Landry come back. I don't think that Olave is giving up his number one chair right now. 14 targets, 7 catches, and 106 yards. He didn't find the end zone this week, but 
Uh, Dalton's looking at him. He's running routes all over the field, short, medium, long, and he's making plays. A couple of the interceptions, at least one of the interceptions, was a uh, a, a pass to Olave where Dalton got hit at the same time where if he's catching it, he's like 20 yards downfield. That's another, what, three, four points for Olave, uh, three or four fantasy points for Olave. Dude's a set-it-and-forget-it wide receiver uh, on a weekly basis, especially as long as uh, Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are out. Um, Juwan Johnson uh, was up around that 80% route participation. He did get five targets, so for the tight end position, that's not bad. Uh, He did come away with two touchdowns, which, like I said, with the Mike Gesicki thing, it's not sustainable, but... At least with Jawan, he's running 80% of the routes. He is a red zone target. So if it's not Taysom or Kamara that are uh, getting the ball on the ground, uh, it does seem like Jawan is going to be that that target for Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. So it, it, another tight end streaming option where he's got the upside. It's just the floor isn't quite there with the targets right now. Uh, that's it for the Thursday night football game. I'm going to go ahead and try and uh, zoom on through the Week 7 matchups. Uh, there is a lot of injury news. There is a lot going on, so it might take a little bit longer, but let's go ahead and jump right in. I'm uh, going to try to go from the most exciting high-scoring games down to the games that we don't really give a shit about. But uh, Starting with the LA Chargers versus the Seattle Seahawks, we got an over-under about 50.5. Uh, Chargers are uh, the favorites by 4.5 points right now. I talked about it earlier. Uh, Keenan might be out again. There was talks that he might be holding off until after the uh, week eight bye. So we won't see, we might not see Keenan Allen until week nine. It would definitely be a blow to uh, Herbert and this offense in general. Uh, And Josh Palmer has been confirmed out with a concussion already. So uh, the the next guy up is is going to be, uh, I believe it's DeAndre Carter is, is the next guy up right now. Not really interested in in the play unless it's an absolute Hail Mary, deep league desperation uh, pickup and flex play. Uh, As always, if Keenan does miss, it's going to be Austin Eckler. It's going to be Mike Williams. Absolute must start smash spots as always. And then Gerald Everett is actually going to be probably the biggest beneficiary if both Keenan and Palmer, uh, if Keenan misses also. Uh, Seattle's giving up the most points per game, uh, fantasy points per game to the tight end position, and Everett is averaging six targets per game. He's got over a 15% target share, so the opportunity is there. If he does get a bump up over 20% this week, he's got the athleticism. He's a red zone target. The upside is there with Everett. Uh, On the Seattle side, I already said Kenneth Walker is dominating with his first start. You must start him once again. The Chargers are giving up over 25 fantasy points per game to the running back. And uh, the good thing with Kenneth Walker right now, the Seahawks aren't just using him like they use most of their running backs, where it's just running the ball into the back of the line, grinding, grinding, grinding. They're also getting him out in space with some uh, screen passes. They're letting him run actual routes. He's been lining up in the slot even a little bit, so... He's an exciting player that Seattle is finally using like a dynamic running back that they haven't really had in a while. Uh, They've had those grinders in Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, those types of guys, but Walker is looking like the total package. He was the only running back in week six to run a route, so it's just 92% of the opportunity share. It's no joke. He is this offense right now. 
that is actually thriving and, and performing very well. Uh, Noah Fant is an interesting option as well. He has been splitting the routes and the snaps with Will Disley still, but in the past two weeks, he started to pull away from Will Disley just a little bit in the target share. Uh, this past week, uh, Disley had five targets. Fant had seven targets. He was over 20% target share. Tyler Lockett might be out, so they would be looking for someone to step up and fill that void. Fant's a dynamic player. He's a very athletic, big tight end who could be running down the seam uh, with DK clearing out on the outside. He's definitely worth a stream this week, uh, Again, if, especially if Lockett is out. Next game on the list is going to be Kansas City versus San Francisco. Over under here is a 48.5. Kansas City is two and a half point favorites. Uh, to be honest with you, I checked that last night, so I don't know if the line moves since the, the Christian McCaffrey trade anymore. I don't, again, I don't foresee Christian McCaffrey really playing uh, any, if like much, if at all, uh, in the game to, uh, on Sunday. So uh, he's not really factoring into my analysis right now. Obviously, it would be a little bit of a, a, a ceiling hit to Jeff Wilson, especially since uh, the reports were if McCaffrey was going to be worked in, it was going to be in red zone packages. That would certainly take away from the Jeff Wilson ceiling appeal of uh, any touchdowns. But looking at the Kansas City side, we have uh, Kelsey is still the only receiving option that has a significant target share. Juju had the big game this week, but the target share is still very low. He only had about 15% of the targets this week. It's still just this weird mix-up, mashup of Juju, MVS, McColl. They're the three of them just are kind of jockeying in this gross 10 to 18 percent target share. No one's really pulling away from the pack, and they seem to like MVS had a good game two weeks ago. Juju had the big game uh, last week, so I'm not really feeling great starting any of them. It's a high over/under, uh, so I mean, if there's a week two play uh any of the wide receivers in Kansas City this is it um and it it doesn't get any better for Kansas City in the running back room like it's also just a gross mush mess of like we don't know who's going to be the the high leverage guy uh McKinnon ran the most routes uh this past week, in week six, he had 20 routes, Pacheco ran six routes, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran zero routes. So Edwards-Alaire isn't getting the passing work anymore. He's not efficient on the ground. I don't know what to do with him. He did get the bulk of the carries with nine. Uh, McKinnon and Pacheco both got two carries apiece, but without the passing work and only getting nine carries, that's just, you You can't, you can't play him. Uh, if you have him, if you had him, and you didn't even attempt to sell high on him, you're a damn fool, and you deserve to hold the L that is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on your bench because it's it's just not going to get any better uh, without an injury or unless they just have like this random change of change of heart and decide, oh, yes, we're going to go 80% Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm, I'm staying away from all of the running backs in Kansas City until a, a, a trend forms one way or the other. Uh, on the San Francisco side, again, uh, just got to say it one more time, CMC. Jesus. Woo. Woo. Laudy. Uh, get your one last squeeze out of Jeff Wilson. This is the last week that he's going to have any fantasy value as long as Christian McCaffrey is healthy. Uh, after, after this week, he's going to be slotted into that premium handcuff 
uh, role where you can hold him. You have to hold him because Christian McCaffrey is, has a history of injury. And he's already proved it this season that he can go out and put up RB2, RB1 numbers uh, on a weekly basis. So uh, I, I think... It's a, it's a good it's a good last week for Jeff. He's going to want to go out there and play as hard as he can in, in what might be his last uh, start of the season. Uh, you're starting all three of the major pass catchers. Uh, between the three of them, they are combining for 76% of the targets in week six. So it's a very consolidated room uh, for one more week. So Ayuk, Debo, Kittle, fire them all up against this Kansas City defense. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, next game on the, on the list, we got... <clears throat> Sorry, we got Dallas versus Detroit. It's an over-under 49, and Dallas is favored by seven points here. This one feels like another uh, little bit of a trap game. Uh, the, the Lions had the bye, so I'm hoping, as a Lions fan, they all got healthy. I hope we see Swift. I hope we see St. Brown. I hope the offensive line is healed up because this pass, ru- this pass rush is going to be fierce. And we saw how well Goff performed under pressure with that New England uh, front, Matthew Judon was on his back every snap, and it was just gross. I mean, the Lions got shut out in Week 5 against New England with that crazy pass rush. So Dallas with an even better pass rush. I'm a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. Swift is, quote-unquote, pushing to play. He's been limited in practice throughout the week, but you would hope after uh, having, what, three, four weeks off uh, to, to rest up and heal... You hope to see him back in there this week. If he doesn't, obviously Jamal Williams priority start premium handcuff. And been the theme of the theme of the show today is the premium handcuffs. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown has been back to full practice. They're saying he's going to get as many targets as he can handle. He might not be as efficient on those targets just because those high ankle injuries they do take away the explosiveness of of these players. You hope that he has at least seventy five to eighty percent of the explosiveness still. Because he's just been electric when he's when he's on the field, uh, and he's coming back, and he's going to be if Swift doesn't if Swift misses, he's going to be the top target uh, on an offense that desperately was missing weapons in Week Five. Uh, I'm hesitant, like I was saying, I'm a little bit nervous about this game for the Lions. I'm hesitant to start Goff or Hawkinson after seeing what New England did to the Lions and just completely shut down uh, this offense. The scheme overall, I feel like, might not be as good. But the overall athleticism and just the the playmakers that are on this defense could make it a very long game for the Lions. Um, On the the Dallas side, we get the return of the DAC. Uh, He's coming back off of uh, the the thumb surgery. This will be his first game since week one. Um, And I'm, I'm really interested to see how everything shakes out. If he is fully healthy, if he is going to have a full complement of uh, of pass attempts, I'm not sure. If Dallas starts running away with this game early, I could 100% see them just turning around and handing the ball to Zeke and Pollard all game long. Detroit can't stop anything on the ground. They can't stop anything in the air. They just can't stop anything. So uh, they may not lean on Dak too hard if they don't need to. If the Lions come back out and they're the Lions weeks of weeks one through four and they're throwing the ball everywhere, they're putting up 30-plus points, then we will see Dak. We will see how the target share will shake out. But uh, it's definitely a big ceiling boost for CD, for Gallup, 
uh, and for Dalton Schultz if he does play. Uh, Schultz has been questionable all week. Uh, if he plays, you're absolutely starting him. Uh, again, this defense is Swiss cheese. If he doesn't, I'm even. I'd even say you can flex Jake Ferguson as like a, a handcuffed tight end, just because it, it's it's a very nice spot. Ferguson did get five targets last week, so it's a it's a decent pivot and a good matchup here. Uh, for Cincinnati versus Atlanta, that's going to be the next matchup. It's a 47.5 over under. Cincinnati's favored by seven points. Uh, Higgins has been back at practice in full this week, so. Uh, it seems like it's going to be back to that consolidated big two in the passing game with Mixon kind of sprinkled in there. Uh, Tyler Boyd did play a big role in week six when Higgins was questionable. He was a game-time decision. Shockingly, Higgins still came out and uh, got 10 targets uh, in week six. So Boyd having the big game kind of took away from Hurst more than anything. Um... It was a little bit shocking to see, but I, I, I do want to see a little bit more from Boyd. Uh, going to see if this is a shift from Hurst to Boyd, and Boyd will be the third option now, or if it was just a one-week thing and Hurst is still going to be that solid tight end streamer. On the Atlanta side, they are still continuing to run the piss out of the ball with success, I might add. It's shocking. Uh, I, I have it here. The uh, Atlanta Falcons are... Let, let me get... They are 5-0 against the spread. Uh, they they just keep games so close because they do nothing but run the ball and they play, I mean, they got a, a decently strong defense on the outside with those corners. So it's tough for teams to really pull away too big on them uh, when they're they're just, they're holding onto the ball for so long and they're just, they're making it difficult on offenses to move on them. Um I, I'm, I'm still starting for fantasy purposes. I, uh, I, I'm i starting Tyler Algier. Uh, he has a volume play. He did split the carries with uh, with Tyler Huntley, but he, he was the the primary back out there, out uh, out on the field for about 60, uh, 57% of the, uh, the snaps. So that's, that's what you're looking for from a team that's running the ball as much as they are and as well as they are. Um, you got to start pits if you have them. Again, tight ends theme of the season, theme of the last five years, ten years, however long it's been. Tight ends disgusting. Gotta start Pitts. He at least got you your touchdown last week. And Drake London does have a tough matchup. He's going up against the number five ranked cornerback, uh, Awuzier. Uh, the, I get these rankings from uh, Cody Carpentier on Player Profiler. They have a little box right underneath the, uh, every player's, and he puts out these these rankings on a weekly basis. Great tool. Um, but with London having this tough matchup, Awuzier did lock down. Uh, he, he was pretty pretty locked down last week, uh, so it might be another Kyle Pitts game. We'll see. It's a very low-volume passing game, so if, if it's just a, a gross split where it's like a 20%, 20% type share between uh, Pitts and London, no one wins in that situation except for the running backs. Um Moving right along to the Baltimore versus Cleveland game. The over-under on this one is set at 45.5. Uh, Baltimore is favored by 6.5 points. I'm so torn on this game on which way it's going to go because both of these teams have soft defenses right now, uh, either due to injury or just shockingly being soft. Uh, but it's also one of these AFC North divisional games, and these games I don't know. Like I, 
it defies all of the data and it's just one of those narrative type fucking takes that I got here where these AFC North uh, games, they just, they get bogged down. They get very defensive heavy. They get very run heavy. Um, and both these teams love to run the ball. So I could see it. I could definitely see it happening, but I could also see them putting up over 50 something points, over 60 something points in this game. So I, I, I don't know which way to lean, which, what to expect, but for fantasy purposes, I'm going to go ahead and assume with the 45 and a half point spread that it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, Rashad Bateman for Baltimore has been practicing, although it has been limited, but he is quote unquote on track to play. Don't know what that means. We'll find out on Sunday whether he's active or not. Uh, it would be great for him and Lamar, uh, both if he's out there. It, Lamar has been missing uh, Bateman out there. He is the playmaker opposite of Mark Andrews. He's the guy, I mean, when defenses are keen in on Andrews so much, it's tough to get him the ball sometimes. And Bateman was that great secondary option that could take some of the pressure off Andrews and give Lamar some more options. Um, if Bateman doesn't start, Devin Duvernay is another It's another week of a desperation flex if you're looking for it. Uh, he get, he's got that big play potential, and he might get a little bit of an uptick in volume, again, for Bateman missing, but we've seen him disappear before even with that uptick in volume. So, uh, like I said, desperation flex play this week uh, if you need it. Uh, with the running back position, J.K. Dobbins is out four to six weeks, I think I saw. He's getting a knee scope. Uh, so he did come back a little bit early. It did lock up and it's, it sucks to see, uh, but in steps Kenyon Drake, who had a great second half, uh, the first hundred yard rusher for, um, her first running back with a hundred yards on the season for Baltimore. Uh, the only issue is Justice Hill is back this week. So Justice Hill was playing well before, uh, the first time that Dobbins was kind of in and out and then Kenyon Drake has this good performance. So it's kind of a gross three-way share right now. Uh, if Gus Edwards comes back, it's a gross three-way share where it's, they're going to try to work in Edwards a little bit. They're going to work in Drake a little bit. And I think it's just going to be a hot hand approach. All three are worth a stash just because this, this rush offense is so potent. Um, that you, if one of them does run away with the job, you want to have them. So take a take a shot on one of the three. Uh, I'm personally leaning uh, Justice Hill. He's got the most juice right now. Um, but Drake has been the healthiest, uh, and he's shown in previous offenses that he can't handle the load. So we'll see how it shakes out. Again, I don't know which way it's gonna it's gonna fall this week. Uh, if I had to guess, I think Drake's going to get the first shot at it, so he he's probably who I would lean with this week, uh, with Hill being the next guy in line, and they're going to try to ease back Gus, especially with Dobbins coming back from a similar injury and re-injuring it so quickly. I don't think they want to uh, rush into it with, with Gus Edwards, but they will be activating him. On the Cleveland side, I, I mean, obviously you're starting both running backs, Chubb Hunt, you're starting all... I feel comfortable starting all three of the pass-catching options between Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Joku. Um, like I said before, it's it's a it's an AFC North game. It might get bogged down, but uh, Cleveland has hit the over on five out of the six games this year, uh, and on average, uh, they're giving up 27 points per game uh, to opposing offenses, so they've had to play catch-up. 
So this just seems like one of those perfect matchups where two strong offenses, two weak defenses, we should see a lot of fantasy points. Fuck it. I'm saying take the over. I get it. AFC North narrative. Fuck the narrative. Go with the over. It, it, this should be uh, this should be a fun game. Uh, again, I think you can start Donovan Peoples-Jones confidently this week in the flex position. Uh, he did lead the wide receivers in snap share in week six. Uh, he's had an eight over an 80% route participation every single week, uh, and he's averaging six targets per game, and that includes two dud games where he kind of disappeared and that first strong game where he had 11 targets. So uh, over the past three weeks, he's been a little bit more consistent. He's had nine targets, seven targets, and then five targets. I, I think he's, a, a again, a strong play and a good matchup right now. And he's had he's had those pop weeks where he's gotten either the targets or the yardage. This might be the week where they both come together and it's just a blow-up game. Uh, next on the docket is going to be Las Vegas Raiders versus the Houston Texans. Over-under on this one is set at 46. Vegas uh, favored by 7 points. Uh, Waller has been confirmed. Uh, Darren Waller has been confirmed out this week, so fire up Foster Moreau. Uh, he's, last season, he had three top 10 finishes when Waller was out out of the six games that Waller missed in 2021. Uh, Renfro isn't a guarantee to play. He's still questionable. It's kind of like a 50-50 thing. Ooh, excuse me. And Matt Collins is kind of banged up himself. Both of them have been listed as questionable on the Friday report. So uh, I think Foster Moreau is an absolute smash play behind Devontae Adams. I mean, Adams can only get so much, 30 35% target share if all of these guys are missing. Uh, I expect Hollins to play for sure. Renfro is the guy where it's kind of iffy. Uh, I think if Renfro doesn't play, you're playing Hollins. Uh, if Renfro does play, you're playing Renfro. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, I talked about it two weeks ago. Um... Hollins has a 98% route participation and 19% target share when uh, Renfro is out, and that was with Darren Waller in there. So uh, in a plus matchup like this against Houston, that's that's exactly what you want to see. So like I said, Renfro's out, you're starting Hollins, and you're starting Foster Moreau this week no matter what. Uh, on the Houston side, we have Damian Pierce, who you're absolutely starting. He's one of those guys, set it, forget it. Uh, he's averaging 22.25 opportunities per game since he took over in Week 2. So we know week one, Rex Burkhead tricked everyone, making him think that, ah, ha, ha, it's the Burkhead show, but wrong. Explosive players making plays, teams being smart, and using explosive players a lot. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so Pierce is pretty much the only piece of this offense that I want this game. Uh, I feel like if you need to and you drafted uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, you may have to start him. Uh, he still has a, over a 25% target share on the season. But it just hasn't been, it hasn't come to fruition. He, he needs to be closer to that 30% target share to pay off like he did in 2021. Um, O.J. Howard, Nico Collins uh, are just kind of, and, and even Damian Pierce are just kind of like chipping away at that target share. So it's not just the Brandon Cook show this year. And um, Davis Mills isn't looking as sharp as he did before. So uh, I this is a this could be a decent week to start Brandon Cooks, but I'm not excited to do it. I, I think it's very it's a boom bust flex play at best. Um, for you tight end streamers, OJ Howard did have over 60% route partic- route participation over the past two weeks, but he's just not getting the targets. <clears throat> in a in a good matchup again, um, where Houston should be playing from behind a lot. 
you can do worse uh, for a streamer, but it, it's not something where there, there's better options out there. Foster Moreau is a better option. Evan Ingram's a better option. Robert Tunyon's a better option. This would just be a very deep league uh, pickup and plug uh, type play at tight end. <clears throat> oh, man. Whew. I told you I'm going fucking long. All right. We're getting to the uglier games. I can go ahead and be a little bit quicker about it. Uh, we, we got Miami and uh, Pittsburgh uh, with the uh, Sunday Night Football primetime game over under 45.5 points. Miami is the favorite by 7. Two is back. It's primetime. It's a great matchup. Uh, you're absolutely excited to see him back. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping they didn't skimp on the concussion protocol. I'm hoping that he's, he comes back. And he's able to perform like he was before because what we were seeing out of Tua was magical. It was it was fun to see. It was exactly what you wanted to see this season for a guy that had so many doubts cast upon him ever since he stepped foot in the NFL. Uh, he was proving the haters wrong and then just suffered back-to-back concussions. So it's exciting to see Tua back. Uh, this is a great game for him to come back in. Uh, Pittsburgh right now is giving up 38.2 fantasy points per game to the wide receivers. So... I mean, you were already doing it, but Waddle and Hill could be set to be top five wide receivers once again this week. I mean, both of them, they're com- like I said before with the Gesicki game, they're combining for over 50 per- 52% of the targets on the season. And that's with, like, they have some partial games between each other. There's a game that I think Waddle missed. So for them to be combining for 52% of the targets and not even be in on every single snap, every single game, that's insane. Uh, Raheem Mostert is still worth uh, worth the start right now. He has over 55% of the running back opportunities uh, since week two. Again, it was another backfield like Houston where week one, Chase Edmonds gets the bulk of the work and we think it's the Chase Edmonds show. We get the we get psyched. We get, that's the wrong number. Uh, Raheem Mostert comes in and has just taken over this backfield. Um, so keep riding the hot hand of Raheem Mostert until he gets hurt. Uh, one of the most fragile players in the NFL. I'll say it week in, week out. It's going to happen at some point, but until then, take the production. Uh, you got him off the waiver wire, very cheap in the draft, so take the production where you can get it. On the Pittsburgh side, uh, Kenny Pickett has cleared the uh, concussion protocol and is expected to start this week. So we can completely take week six, throw it out, the usage, the snaps, the targets. I don't care about any of that right now because... It wasn't a Kenny Pickett game. We only have one still, so it's still very tough to see what this offense is under Kenny Pickett. Uh, it's not the most explosive, but uh, we we saw them. We saw Kenny at least keeping up with Tom Brady uh, and and the the Buccaneers. Um, but looking back to that Week Five game with uh, with Pickett. Uh, Deontay Johnson was the wide receiver one, twenty five percent target share. He's who I'm starting confidently. Uh, Pickens and Claypool, I still don't know who's going to be the wide receiver two to shake out of there. Uh, Pickens had a 16% target share. Claypool had 18%. Claypool's running a little bit hot right now, so it might just be one of those things where he's feeling himself right now, and and Kenny might feed on that. So we'll see here. If I did have to pick between uh, Pickens and Claypool, who I'm starting this week, it would be Claypool. I just want to see... I want to see one of these two separate from the other before being too excited. Um, but that's what I'm going to be keeping an eye out on this game. 
Uh, Indianapolis Colts versus the Tennessee Titans. The over-under is set at 42. Indianapolis is favored by two and a half points. Uh, talked about it earlier. Matt Ryan and Pittman seem back on track. Indianapolis in general seems back on track. Would love to see that, especially with them getting Jonathan Taylor back this week. He sat himself in week six, like I said, uh, like I said, because he wanted to get right. And I love to see that. I love to see a player taking care of himself instead of trying to rush back and just re-injure himself. Jonathan Taylor's taking this, looking at this the smart way. He's he's being a very savvy player, very savvy just person, business uh, business play as well, because you, it it does nobody any good to rush back off of an injury, especially an ankle injury, and just re-injure it, and then the two games turns into eight games. The two games turns into a full season gone. So I love to see it from Jonathan Taylor. If he says he's healthy enough to be back out there, I trust it. I'm excited for it. I'm still stashing Deion Jackson. Don't get me wrong. Still stashing him. But I want to see JT back out there. I want to see him dominating. Uh, Michael Pittman is in another smash spot. Uh, Tennessee's got a weak secondary. They're giving up the second most fantasy points per game to the wide receiver just behind uh, Pittsburgh that we talked about. Uh, And I'm uh, definitely confident in starting Alec Pierce this week. Again, weak secondary. Uh, Pierce has kind of been that number two guy that Ryan is looking to. He's averaging six targets per game, and he has an eight out over 11. So it's not the most volume, but he's got the the eight out to support some big boom uh, potential, and he's got the he's got some juice in him. Um, flipping over to the Tennessee side, I'm not really excited over here. Uh, I expect lots of Derrick Henry, especially coming off the bye. They're gonna want to just come back out, and it's a it's a close race in the AFC South. So this is a big game, and in those big games, Tennessee leans very heavily on King Henry. Um, in week five, without Traylon Burks, uh, Robert Woods did dominate the targets, but with this game script not being a guarantee, we're not sure which Indianapolis Colts we're getting. We might be getting week six Colts. We might be getting week five Colts. Those are two very different Colts teams. So if it's week five Colts, it's going to be nothing but King Henry. If it's week six Colts, we might see, uh, Tennessee needing to pass the ball more. So I think if that's the situation, Robert Woods is a good play, but again, we don't know what Colts team we're getting. There are better options out there. I'm not starting Robert Woods. I'm not starting any pass catcher in this Tennessee offense. Uh, chugging right along. Jacksonville versus the New York Giants. Over under 43.5. Jacksonville favored by three points. I'm not a fan of this matchup at all. I am taking the under on this one. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the, the Giants have been hitting the under very frequently. Uh, let's see here. Giants... Uh, have hit the under three times out of the six games, and I'm pretty sure one of their games was a pick'em. So uh, they have done a very good job of limiting other teams, but their offense is also extremely limited. So uh, 43 and a half seems low, but it's not low enough for me to say don't take the under. I'm taking the under here. Uh, Christian Kirk on uh, for Jacksonville. He came out strong in weeks one through three. He put up uh, like. Averaging around 20 fantasy points per game, 18 fantasy points per game, somewhere in that range. Amazing start. You think, wow, money well spent from Jacksonville, but the last three weeks he has just completely disappeared. Uh, he did catch a touchdown last week, so maybe they are getting it back on track, but outside of the touchdown, he barely had anything. Um, right now, Travis Etienne and James Robinson are in a deadlock 50 50 timeshare. 
it's going to be matchup dependent. Um, and in these close uh, games like this one is projected to be, it, it just it's it, they literally they're splitting it right down the middle, uh, 50-50. I think right now, if I had to pick one of the two to start, I'm picking ETN. He's got the better ceiling. He's got more juice. Um, he's, he's getting a lot more of the pass catching plays. And I think that he's just the more explosive back out of the two right now. Uh, while they are both healthy and on the field. And for the time being, they're both low end RB two, high end RB three players. I hope that we see a trend form one way or the other. So at least one of these guys is usable. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it once more. Evan Ingram, great tight end stream. I don't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, on the Giants side, it's uh, it's Saquon Barkley, and that is it right now. I love that Wandale uh, Robinson is back. I love that he got the touchdown last week, but he only had a 23% tar- uh, snap share, and he only ran 10 routes. Uh, I want to see him out there more. I know they're trying to ease him back in. He came back off of the, the soft tissue injury, so obviously don't want him to rush back and, and re-injure himself. Uh, so until we start to see those usage numbers increase, I'm still just keeping him stashed right now, but it's coming. Wandale Robinson is going to be the absolute number one in New York, uh, whatever that may be. Uh, Green Bay versus Washington over under has dropped down to 41 and a half points. Uh, Green Bay is favored by four and a half. Gross. Another game where I wouldn't mind taking the, um, taking the under. Uh, on the Green Bay side, the offense has been uh, so difficult to trust. I mean, I, I don't understand what they're doing on a weekly basis with with their two best weapons in Aaron Jones and uh, and AJ Dillon. Uh, it's just been such a strange, strange, <coughs> strange usage pattern. They're not using Jones uh, in the passing game as much. Uh, they're they're almost using. Aaron Jones is like just a, a, a grinder type back. Dylan is just being used as a breather back. I I truly don't don't get what's happening. So, I mean, you're starting Jones. Hopefully you don't have to start A.J. Dylan. Hopefully you have other options at the running back position. Um, because I'm not even started about I'm not even excited about starting Jones. Like you're just hoping for some big big splash plays or uh, a lot of receptions. Uh, that's the only way that you're getting a good game out of him, it seems, this season. Uh, I'm still riding. I mean, it's a good it's a good matchup this week for the uh, the pass catchers. So I'm still riding with uh, Alan Lazard and uh, Robert Tunyon. Uh, this could be a very slow, very grueling game to watch for fantasy uh, fantasy players. On the Washington side, uh, Taylor Heineke is getting the start with Carson Wentz being out uh, with the thumb injury. Uh, I. You, you can go ahead and start Terry and Curtis Samuel and see how it shakes out. I, I'm i not confident either. This is honestly the last uh, the last test and testament that I have to saying that I want uh, Scary Terry on my dynasty teams. Uh, if, if, if Terry McLaurin doesn't have a good week this week, he's... You, you can't use him at all this season unless, like, something just an injury happens or, like, someone finally decides to start getting him involved in the offense. Uh, I'm not starting any of these three running backs either. Another three-way timeshare that is just absolutely gross. Um, if you do uh, have to start anyone, uh, Antonio Gibson is still my pick. He's 
he, he's getting less touches, but he is still going to be the most efficient running back in this backfield. He's still going to be the running back that gives you the best opportunity for a big uh, breakaway play for a touchdown. So uh, if I have to, I'm going for the upside. Uh, Brian Robinson is getting the bulk of the carries, but it is very inefficient, three-yard chunking at a time. You have to hope that they get down to the goal line and punch one in with him for for him to return a touchdown, and that's, again, not a guarantee on this bad offense with now a backup quarterback. Uh, We move on to Tampa Bay versus the Christian McCaffrey-less Carolina Panthers. Over-under on this one did drop since the trade, down to 39.5 points. Tampa Bay is favored by 13 Tom Brady and company are looking to get back on track after getting completely embarrassed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bad defense there. They get another bad defense here. So uh, you you want to see them take advantage of that. You're starting the big three of uh, Evans, Godwin, and Lenny. It's a plus matchup. They always play well. It's a divisional matchup. They want to go ahead and smack around the already hurting Panthers who are seeming to just roll over at this point. Uh, I would say you can go ahead and flex Russell Gage, and I'm streaming Kate Otten. I think he is an absolute uh, weekly streamer. I, I, I think he is stepping into the uh, Cameron Brait role pretty well, and there's just a lot of lingering injuries in this passing game, so... Uh, Otten might be one of the last last guys standing, and he is uh, starting to prove himself for Tom Brady. Uh, on the Carolina Panthers side, don't do it. You may think, I want to start DJ Moore this week because he's going to be getting 30-plus percent of the targets, but don't do it. Don't do it. No. Moving on. Uh, New England versus Chicago. Over-under uh, of 40. This is the Monday night football game. New England is favored by 9 uh, we're still uncertain of who's going to be starting at quarterback. Uh, Mac Jones has been uh, practicing in a limited fashion for the past two weeks. Uh, he was ruled out pretty early last week, uh, paving, paving the way for Bailey Zappi. Uh, but this week they're keeping a little bit quieter. They're trying to figure out, I don't know if they're trying to figure out if Mac's ready to go or what. Uh, but either way, whether it's uh, the tenderfoot Mac Jones, or if it is Bailey Zappi once again, I think that they were going to lean heavily on the run game um, regardless. Uh, Damian Harris has been practicing this week. Uh, He's still got a questionable tag on, but it might be more of a game time decision compared to uh, last week where he was ruled out pretty early. The Ramondre Steven season window may have closed. It's, It's opened up a creek still. Uh, I still think that Ramondre is an absolute RB2 must start, even if Harris plays. I think that Ramondre did enough last week to prove that he needs to be the primary back in this offense. But I do think that if Harris is active, New England will still give him the touches. He will still, he's going to limit the upside of, of Stevenson. But I think the floor is safe with Ramondre right now. Uh, I'm starting Jacoby Myers regardless, PPR monster. Don't care who's starting at quarterback. He is that dude. Uh, and Ty, uh, Tyquan Thornton is an interesting guy. He kind of burst onto the scene with the two touchdowns last week. He is, I think he was the fastest player uh, at the Combine this year. He is an absolute speedster who we've seen do crazy things with the ball in his hands. So uh, <clears throat> this past week may have been the 
the start of something here. So if you got a spot, stash Taekwon. I think that uh, once Mac Jones uh, is back and fully uh, reintegrated back into this offense, that Thornton is an interesting player where he can have just absolute monster games. So for those deeper leagues where you're starting two, three flex players, uh, he's definitely a guy that you can throw in your flex and, and hope for those big booms. Uh, on the Chicago side, uh, we saw a little bit of an increase in the passing game uh, for Mooney and for Fields, but it's still, I'm, it, it, if you're desperate, you can throw Mooney in there and just pray for some volume. Uh, and same with Justin Fields. This offensive line is atrocious. The, as we saw against the Lions, New England's pass rush is is pretty fierce, so it's not a good matchup for uh, four fields here, but it may also force him to run the ball for 100-plus yards. So uh, I, we got Josh Allen on by, so who knows? I, I don't know what the streaming landscape is like out there for, for a lot of, you, for a lot of uh, leagues, but um, the, the rushing upside is, is, is real with Justin Fields still. Uh, the only player that I'm starting with any confidence, however, is David Montgomery. And with the absolute grossest game of the week, we have the Denver Broncos versus the New York Jets. Two uh, just absolutely elite defenses right now. One offense that is absolutely struggling and one offense that is uh, one of those grinded out type of offenses. They have the potential to, to, to make big plays, but they're, they're doing much more on the ground with Brees Hall than anything. Uh, on the Denver side, you got to keep rolling with uh, with Sutton and Judy. Sutton uh, draws Sauce Gardner in coverage this week. Uh, Sauce is ranked number 24 on the year uh, in Cody Carpentier's cornerback rankings, but he has looked absolutely dominant uh, lately. So it's it's one of those things where I mean you have to start Sutton. Uh, he's he's got the potential to have those big games still. But it might be something where it's a little bit of a tough game for him, especially with how much Denver has been struggling. Uh, at running back, it's tough to tell. Melvin Gordon seemed to have talked his way back into starting with uh, with Hackett. Uh, but what does that actually mean? Does that mean that he is literally just going to start the first series and then it's Latavius? Or is it actually Gordon getting another opportunity to prove himself and get volume? Still too soon to tell. I don't really want to start either of them. If you absolutely have to, I'm starting Latavius Murray. Um, I don't really want to start Gordon after he got benched last week. It just doesn't seem like it's... It, it seems like the wheels are falling off uh, pretty quickly here for him. Um, if Latavius does end up getting the bulk of the work this week, he will become the weekly uh, RB2, RB3 uh, start for... Uh, for fantasy teams just because of volume and I mean this offense has to get it together at some point and that running back will have value whoever is getting the bulk of the carries um <clears throat> I think Greg Dulcich can have another good game again uh the New York Jets defense is playing better than expected they uh they have they have good corners they have a good pass rush so uh Russ may be looking for uh an, an outlet and Dulcich may be that guy uh, he's just coming back from from injury, so he's still kind of getting eased in. So it's it's nothing more than a a prey stream here at the tight end position. But he's also a very good stash if you are uh, tight end hungry. Uh, on the <laughs> on the New York side, it it's Brees Hall, it's Brees Hall, and that's it. I know Elijah Moore is benched right now after asking for a trade. 
Um, but this Broncos defense is is legit. Uh, New York's offense has been struggling outside of Brees already, and I, I don't see that uh, changing in in this game. The pass rush is crazy. The corners are crazy. Pat Sertan is arguably the best corner in the league right now. Uh, and like I said earlier, I, I don't care that the line is moving down on this one. We're at 39.5 points uh, earlier in the week. It's down to 38 over under now. I'm smashing the under. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring, just slog of a game that, I mean, I'm hoping Brees Hall can just perform based off of, like, explosive plays and, and volume, but even that feels kind of kind of tough to predict right now. But that is the Week 7 madness that we are seeing I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate you, Rick, for for popping into the chat. Uh, I appreciate anyone who who listens to the recording, who listens to the podcast over on Spotify, uh, the Fantasy Kingdom show. Uh, you can please go ahead and give my Twitter a follow. It's at Joens. That is uh, at J O W E N S underscore F F on Twitter. Uh, I post every time that I'm going to go live over there. I'm posting my random thoughts. Haven't been able to do it a whole lot uh, lately because of work and, again, the baby, but hoping to get back into the swing of things here this week uh, and next week before I am out for a wedding. But uh, I just want to thank you all once again, and uh, let's go. let's go win Week 7, and I'll see you on the flip side for Week 8.